Hello, my name is Cody Vaughn. I am the membership liaison for the Association of Professional Piercers. Hi, my name is Kendra Jane Barron, and I'm the vice president for the APP. Hi, everybody. My name is Paul King. I'm the treasurer and CFO for the Association of Professional Piercers. I'm Steve Joyner. I work with Legislation and Regulatory Affairs for the Association of Professional Piercers. Hi, this is Jeff Saunders. I'm the president of the APP. Hello, I'm Brian Skelly, the medical liaison for APP. Hey, I'm Aaron Pollock. I'm the secretary for the Association of Professional Piercers. And I'm Luis Garcia, the international liaison for the APP. And I'm Ryan Willett, the outreach liaison for the APP. Welcome to APP 2018. The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hey everybody, how you doing? Welcome to Vegas. Uh, if you're not here at conference with me, you just know that I'm going to try to bring a little bit of conference to you. Um, I'm not going to do a lot for an intro. This is kind of a weird Frankenstein episode. I, I tried to get a couple little clips so you can kind of get the conference vibe, and then I want to try to get this up uh, early in the week for, for anybody who might be listening to it. If you are uh, here with me, um, have some fun, you know, make some friends. If, uh, if you're not here with me uh, and you're a body piercer, try to get out here, you know, next year or whenever you can. You know, it's, it's an experience you really don't want to miss. So I'm going to start off by bringing you down to the registration area. I talked to some of the volunteers before the day gets going. Um, I run into Polly Slippus, who uh, was kind enough to let me force him into getting his navel pierced in one of my classes a few months ago. Uh, it's, it's looking great on you, Polly. Uh, I talked to Shorty a little bit uh, about how he had a kind of a similar experience when he did a, a class from Luis Garcia. Um, then uh, I bump into Mark Montgomery on my way into orientation. He's one of the super volunteers. And uh, then for uh, orientation, you know, basically the, the board members go up. We all do like a, hi, how you doing? This is me. Um, you can hear my little bit on there. And then Beth Rasumsky went up onto the mic to, uh, to talk about, you know, how to keep yourself in, um, in, a, in the right kind of situations in Vegas, you know, and, and how to take care of yourself and, um, you know, talking about responsible boundaries and things like that. It, it was kind of a, an unexpected thing. I didn't know that that's what she was going to be talking about. My recorder was a little bit far away from the speakers, so the sound quality isn't great for it, but the message really definitely is great. So, you know, Bethra's got a lot of great insight to share, and I think it's a really important message for anybody coming to conference. So uh, let's go ahead and listen to all that stuff, and then I'll go ahead and introduce this week's interview. Yeah, it really is. All right, so who are you? What are you doing right now? I am Logan Wright, and I am making coffee because it's early in the morning. Yes, it is. I'm Day Jedic. I'm volunteering with registration and info booth, floating around. Registration Army. Yeah. And, and I'm, my name my name is Zach. I'm, <laughs> I'm from Philadelphia. Oh yeah, brother! And listen here, bro. <laughs> oh, uh, good energy today. I'm ready. Are you guys ready? Yeah, oh, so ready. Right. Super excited. Ready in about three minutes. Yeah, yes, sir. I'm gonna be ready. But you know, even even hey, Mark, what's going on? Hey. Oh, you still got it? Still got it. Can I take it out now? No, you cannot. <laughs> Come on, you gotta leave it until 2019. You gotta leave it Dude. until I'm off the board. Oh my god. You're almost man. as you bad as me. Huh? Do you know what it's like at work? I'm leaning on it all. I'm like leaning on the counter. And I'm like, now you know the struggle of your clients. 
Yeah, yeah, See? the struggle Dude, of my client. When yeah. he used to my class, <laughs> yeah. down at my shop, yeah. he was yeah. like, yeah. all right, so I need to purposely <laughs> fuck up a piercing, a surface piercing, and then show how to recover from it. So oh. you're going to be my... You were the my, dummy? Yeah. yeah, and I was like... He legit just looked at me and was like... He's like, what do you want me to do? And I'm like... Fucking whatever, like yeah. I don't care. Like, yeah. Wherever, so. Do like a rhino piercing. <laughs> no, you did my fucking nape. I'm uh, like, of all the fucking piercings you're gonna pick to do on me. Right. Through all nape. that glorious hair. Yeah, a nape. Cool. Awesome. What are you? What are you? What are you doing? What are you? What's your task? Crack compass. Oh, crack compass. Yeah. Like my ad. Super cheesy. Advertising for a podcast. So after we were done, I was like, I'm just taking this shit out. He's like, Nah, you gotta leave it at least until conference. I'm like, Dude, you have no idea how hard this is right now. Yeah. Like Hello, thank you very much. Hey, how's it going? So, uh, who are you and what are you doing today? Uh, my name is Mark Montgomery. I am uh, one of the volunteers, or super volunteers, for the orientation uh, opening here. Helping people get into their classes today and make sure everything goes well. How long have you been volunteering? Seems 19, like a while. 19 years. 19 years. Yeah. Wow. So, that is definitely qualifying you as super volunteer. I, I, I would hope so. Yeah. All this time. <laughs> All right, let's go uh, orient. So I'm going to walk around at orientation. Anybody want to say something on a microphone for a podcast? Or is everybody content to just sit bored and stare at a blue screen? No? Say something. Hi. Okay. Who are you and where do you work? Uh, my name's Sierra. I work at Artifact Tattoo and Body Piercing in Santa Clarita, California. Cool. Is this your first conference? Yes. Welcome. <sighs> it's going to be fun. What's, uh, are you doing any classes today? Uh, yeah, I'm doing a ton of classes. Good. Uh, I'm doing Anatomy for Body Piercers, Advanced Fundamentals of Rook, Doth, and Tragus Piercings, and Sterilization from Start to Finish. Cool. Those are all really good classes. Yeah, I'm trying to focus more on technical classes since mm -hmm. I'm towards I'm at the end of my apprenticeship and yeah. it's my first conference. So that's good. All the information yeah. will be a sponge. You'll get a lot. You'll get a lot of information. <laughs> yeah, I'm It'll excited. be good though. It'll be really good. Um, if there are any classes that you can't make it to, you can still probably get the digital handouts on the app too. Just you know, just so you know. Thank you. Yeah, all kinds of extra stuff on there. Hi. Hello, I'm Ryan still. Uh, I'm the outreach coordinator for the APP and we're gonna do a little practice with that. So everybody look to your right and say hello to the person sitting there. And then look to the left and say hello to the person sitting there. Now everybody's friends. Uh, don't forget, you know, it's not all about classes, it's not all about expo, uh, a lot of it's uh, networking and, and making some friends, so make sure you reach out to people and, and introduce yourselves. Uh, welcome to conference. Uh, I'm going to bring up Beth Rosumsky. She's got some stuff that uh, is going to apply to your week here in Las Vegas. Um, and then uh, we'll uh, move on uh, from there. So, Beth, get on here. Hey, I'm Beth Rosumsky. I became a member in 97, uh, yeah, 96 or 97, and then uh, board member in 98. And since then, I've been uh, doing some type of thing on a committee or on the board or whatever. 
Um, and and I, I would strongly recommend that. Like, get as involved as you possibly can. You know, and, and coming here is definitely the start of that. Um, I'm not currently on the board, but I still do uh, organize camp, which is the coolest thing about being a member is camp. <laughs> Excited about camp. So if you want to know about camp, come talk to me about camp. Like if there was a picture of me, it would be like camp, camp, camp. Um, I know, I sound cheesy, I'm undercaffeinated, I'm a little tired still with jet lag. But um, part of why I'm up here talking to you guys is that in a lot of ways coming to this event is like it it's really sort of soul filling because uh, especially for you newer comers it's sort of your first opportunity um, to be a little bit less lonely in what you do and uh, start to network and start to make friends and and there's this really sort of pink cloud that can happen with that and so part of what I'm here to talk to you about is self-care within that feeling. Um, and that's to understand that um, not, this is not necessary, this is the environment that's safe to the extent that you take care of yourself. Uh, almost every time I hear <coughs> a story where something went bad, whether it's an interaction where someone was inappropriate towards someone else or something sort of just sort of crummy happened where someone doesn't feel great about it the next day, that story every single time starts with, we were really drunk and over drinking is probably your biggest danger here as far as general health wise, but also sort of crummy encounter wise. You know, and the other thing that's important to understand is while this is sort of vacation-y feeling, your colleagues are paying attention to what you do and how you act, and potential new uh, employers are paying attention to who you are and how you act, and maybe getting shitty drunk at the bar isn't the best way to present yourself. And this is not to sound like a mom or like guilty, whatever, like I'm not trying to guilt trip anyone, I'm just saying that. This is really your opportunity as a piercer and as a professional person to put your best foot forward. And that's behave well towards your colleagues, um, be appropriate in your interactions, and take care of yourself. You know, like if you're, if you're decided like, hey, tonight's the night, I'm gonna get shitty. Have somebody, a wing person, that's not made that decision to keep track of you. You know, like, again, the worst decisions come out of that type of thing. The other thing that the organization has done to assist you in networking and socializing not within a bar context is to create all these amazing late night, you know, game nights and movie nights. Those are amazing. Like, there's going to be so much fun that you can do with those where you can interact in a quiet environment that's not super smoky or as smoky at all where it's just about interacting and kind of having fun over a mutual event. So definitely partake in that, you know, and, and think about those things. Also, we are absolutely in an, in an era where the comprehension and understanding of what consent means will also impact you professionally. Like what you think of or what you envision as a sort of easygoing exchange may not be received that way. You know, no matter what gender you are, 
uh, or, or um, identify as, you should be mindful of those interactions. Like, does this person want this unsolicited back rub or whatever? You know what I mean? Like, if you don't know someone, maybe shake their hand. Bad touch. Not hug them. We just don't know. And, and it's important to be mindful of these things, you know, in a not weird way. And also protecting your boundaries in a way that's like, hey, like, I'm not cool with that. You know, and, and rehearse that because one of the other things that I've found is that a lot of people that have issue later with a sense that their boundaries are being breached is that they feel on the spot that you, no one wants to seem like not cool by presenting a boundary. So rehearse it in your mind. Go, hey, if something happens and I'm really not okay, okay with it, Rehearse it in your mind ahead of time so that you're prepared to say that thing no matter what you think other people will think about it. Because who gives a fuck? You know what I mean? Like, are you going to be like so sad that people didn't think you were cool at the bar by saying, hey man, party foul. Hey man, I'm not cool. I'm not cool with that. I'm not a hugger. That's okay. You know, and, and really ultimately, the people in your surroundings will be way more impressed with your ability to conduct yourself as an adult with appropriate boundaries than you not looking cool or something weird like that. Like that's all in your head, you know? So definitely be prepared to do those things in a way that makes you feel comfortable. Um, and like I said, rehearse it ahead of time so that when you're on the spot, it doesn't shut you down, okay? Um, Consent, drinking. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, and thank you for coming. Thank you, newcomers, for coming. It, it, I've been coming to this event since, the, since Orlando, since the first event with classes, and that was a really long time ago. And before I come, it's still stressful. So that fear of the unknown, thank you. Thank you for battling with all of whatever you had to do to get here financially or emotionally or all of that stuff. Thank you for coming because you know what? You're meeting a whole new family of people that will help you be better at your job, that will help you bring your businesses forward, and you fund the organization's work for the entire rest of the year by attending this event. So it literally is the, the sort of center of the APP universe this event. So thank you for coming. All right, so uh, thanks for that message, Bethra. You know, it's a important message. You know, you have to understand that not everybody is going to be at that same familiarity level, so not everybody wants you to walk up and, and give them a hug. You know, if, if it's some friend of yours, someone that you actually know, you know, they miss you, you miss them, yeah, a you know, hug's totally appropriate. But, you know, if you don't really have that level of familiarity with people, a smile and a nod or a handshake or a wave is, is really all you need to, to give somebody, you know? So respect somebody's boundaries. Uh, you know, everybody's just here to have a good time and, you know, make new friends and, and learn, and you, you don't want to be someone's bad experience, you know? So just kind of keep that in mind if you're here at conference. 
Um, this week's interview is one that I've been looking forward to getting for a while. It's my good friend Caitlin McDiarmid. She's the APP administrator. Caitlin does a lot of work behind the scenes for everybody, you know. So if you come to conference, you you know, give her a, give her a thank you. You know, uh, say something nice to her if you see her. Um, she can get a little bit frazzled at times, so try not to stop her if she's uh, frantically walking somewhere to, to get some work done. But Caitlin works all year round to make sure that conference is a great experience for everybody, you know, and not just the attendees, but the staff too, and, and the board, you know, she does a lot of things to make all of our lives a lot easier. Uh, so thanks, Caitlin, I appreciate that. Uh, we, we, we're both pretty busy people, you know, her definitely more so. Uh, we found a little bit of time yesterday, Sunday morning, before our days got going, we, we stopped and uh, got some breakfast with each other, so you'll hear a little bit of restaurant noise in the background, but it's a good talk with Caitlin. Um, you know, she shares kind of her, uh, her history with the APP and, and what she actually does, and, um, you know, it, it's just always really impressive to, to hear what one person is capable of. So let's get into this week's interview with Caitlin McDiarmid, and I'll be back after that. I'm Caitlin McDermott. I'm the administrator of the APP, and I've been with the association now for 16 years. 16 years. As of January. Yeah. So this is my 16th conference, and um, I'm what they would consider the operations manager on site of conference. The mama duck. Um, mama duck to the volunteers. Yeah. Yes. So when it when it comes to something like this, I, I don't think a lot of people that come to this kind of conference understand that it's basically a year-round job to prepare for it so like when do you when do you have to really start focusing on like 2019 are you already doing 2019 work or does that start like right when you get home because our event this year is in July and next year it's in May we've already had one uh, conference call meeting of the conference committee prior to this conference and then we'll have a two-day meeting immediately following this conference to basically put all of the planning for 2019 to bed. So do you ever get like a lull in it throughout the year? When it's more of a like June to June calendar mm -hmm. for the conference, I have typically those two months of a little bit downtime. Um, unfortunately, because of the scheduling this year, yeah, the downtown downtime is gone. Yeah, because it's in May next year, so you, that two months basically disappeared. Exactly. That sounds fun. And we're moving to a new facility after yeah. eight years of being at this hotel. And We've been at Bally's for eight years? This is our eighth year at Bally's. Wow. And so, although I have gone through two other transitions to new hotels, it's been a really long time. How long were we at Riviera? Because it felt like we were at Riviera for a real long time. I think we were at Riviera for six years, but I could be wrong. It might have been as long as eight. Wow. I like how you also refer to like meeting up at the bar to go get breakfast as the Splash Bar. Seeing yes. as how it hasn't been the Splash Bar for eight years. It yep. hasn't been Splash Bar since Actually, Riviera. ten years, because ten we years. had two years at Tropicana in between the Riviera and right. Valleys. Man. It's crazy. Anyway, so what do you think are, I know that there's probably like a, a list as long as your arm, but like what do you think are some of the, the more challenging aspects of running something like this? I think uh, part of it's that like you can be very planned about like what you're going to be concentrating on at this time of the year and trying to meet those deadlines, but it's a lot of putting out fires that you don't expect right. and those challenges change every year. And so what, what I've kind of my philosophy of conference is that really, you know, challenging things always happen at conference, but I've gotten much better at handling those challenges when they do occur. Mm -hmm. I, I, I can't really wrap my head around it sometimes. I mean, I remember 10 or more years ago when you still had 
a volunteer staff and you know you still had lots of people helping but it seemed like it was you know 20 people 30 people something like that and now at this point like what would what would be your guess or do you know like an exact amount of people that are staffing conference uh this year, the volunteer group is right at like, uh, it was like 60, and we had a couple of people that couldn't make it, so we're right at like 58 volunteers. And those are volunteers um, that are putting in at, at least five hours, and sometimes as much as like 40 hours uh, during the week. That's crazy. Uh, when, when it comes to like the makeup of the volunteers, how many are previous scholars off the top of your head? Or would you take a guess at it? A lot of them are previous scholars. There's actually very few of them who came in uh, through other means. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's interesting as the like overall like our attendee base has aged. Pardon my interruption. These orange juices were sent to you. Okay. As a gift from the table right over there. <laughs> <laughs> That's very romantic. Paul is right over there. So. It was like buying a drink. Yeah. A drink. Yeah. Yes. A responsible drink. There you go. All right. Well. For those listening, we just got sent romantic orange juices from APP treasurer Paul King. I can't drink it. It'll make me go into a sugar coma. Oh, you can't drink it? Uh-huh. Well, I already have my glass of grapefruit juice, so I'll just I'll, I'll just pour it out on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a thought that counts. So, getting back to the the volunteer thing, um, do you feel like the scholars are particularly suited? to be like future volunteers because like when they when they come into it they come into it as someone who is like seeing how the machine works exactly i think what immediately happens for the vast majority of LD scholars is that um number one they find a very cohesive very supportive environment in the volunteer family and for a lot of scholars they don't have that um in their pearson community mm-hmm. and for some of them they don't have that in their own personal family yeah and so um that really makes people uh, want to work. Um, it's you know it's an enjoyable experience to to see that event happen, have it be a successful event, and know that you were part of that successful event. Yeah, it's a very powerful force. It seems like the people who come back to be volunteers and to be super volunteers, like it really seems like it's. Um, I mean, sense of community is obvious because of you know the the environment but it really seems like they're they have like a vested interest in it you know it's like we all succeed or fail as a team and everybody's willing to really put in that work for success which is nice yeah and i you know not to pat myself on the back but i've i've become a really good manager in that respect i think you're allowed to pat yourself on the back after this long i was not always a good manager and and if you talk to the aldi's scholars from my first couple of years they will tell you that their experience was really different and it and that volunteer group was a lot smaller because people didn't want to volunteer because it was a painful experience because I was not a particularly good manager. Okay. What are some of the things, like lessons that you learned to, to become a better manager? And did you learn them through trial and error or did you learn them through other people trying to share their their own insight for management or a combination? Um, I think I had some people that I kind of came up under um, and it's funny because I didn't always agree with them, mm-hmm. but they did teach me a huge amount. Yeah. Um, and and certainly uh, Paul King and and Beth Rozumski are are those like two mentors mm-hmm. as far as that goes. Um, I think uh, one of the hard lessons that I've had to learn is that uh, to some degree, you know, the more you give power to your staff and your volunteers. And, and allow them to be 
uh, independent uh, decision makers, mm -hmm. um, the, the better uh, conference goes. And that was a really hard hard thing for me to, to understand and So trying and to learn. avoid micromanagement and more delegation? Exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. And, and, you know, and part of it's because they've been able to stay year after year as volunteers, and so it's a lot easier for them to actually be able to do that. Well, um, and, you know, you, if you have that tier of super volunteers where you, you know that they know, you know, and you can just kind of, you can give them that little bit of trust. So for a super volunteer, like, what's your criteria for that? Is it just, you know, you've, you've, you've been here at least once, I know that you're not going to screw things up, and I'm going to give you a little bit more responsibility? Um, part of it's responsibility, and really the super volunteer designation came out of the people who could uh, handle cash at our event, mm -hmm. and so it was a way to designate uh, who those people were. Okay. Um, but it goes hand in hand with uh, more experience, being trustworthy, you know, um, really having an amazing work eth ethic, and uh, and not being too like uh, headstrong mm -hmm. and getting ahead of themselves um, as far as what they may not know. I would imagine that would be tough with body piercers, especially because I think. Lots of body piercers, when they're at home in their personal and professional lives, they're kind of like an island unto themselves. You know, there, there aren't a lot of people that, that like to be told what to do in this industry, I think. Um, so it must have been tough to find like a, a good group of people that, you know, it's not like they're subservient, but they know how to work together with people. They know how to take direction, but, you know, they also know how to keep themselves motivated and, and get stuff done. Well, and I think a lot of like the relationship and like, calling me mama doc and things like that come out of the fact that a lot of these folks are younger and they are they like they've grown up in the volunteer family as they grow up in their piercing profession and they learn those kinds of uh, communication issues and relationship issues um, but uh, I think it is difficult I almost always the first year someone becomes a super volunteer it goes to their head a little bit and they feel yeah. like they can like start bossing around other people okay. a little bit more harshly and so um, but I can see that I can recognize that and I can I can work with that and, and help them realize that that's not really their role their role is another mentor to the, yeah. uh, the, the newer volunteers mm -hmm. and um, and the people who can transition that way um, they become amazing mentors to the other volunteers yeah and the community too you know I think a lot of people when they get when they get an opportunity like that, they don't waste it. You know, like they, they make the most of it when they're here at conference, but when they get home too, it kind of changes their mentality of like, I needed help and I someone gave me help. So now if I see someone else who needs help, I need to be there for them too. Uh, one of our kind of mottos is that a single person can make a difference. And, um, and I try to stress that uh, service and volunteerism um, you know, should be part of everybody's life, whether they're volunteer at conference or a volunteer at home. Mm -hmm. And that the act of doing service and working in those environments is a very transformative experience. And then when you put it that experience inside of conference, it's like life-changing, it mm -hmm. really is. Yeah, well, I mean, you can see the people who come back every year and the people who are, are you know, happy and motivated and, you know, they, they see it as one of the highlights of their year to come here and volunteer and help out and, and keep conference running smoothly. Um, who are some of the standouts? Yeah, I mean, not to, like, single anybody out because I know, every, like, lots of people deserve credit, but I, I know that there's always, there's always a standout from, like, the LD crop, 
and volunteers and things like that, you know, and like a really good example is someone like Kendra, who started as a scholar and like worked her way up to where she is now. Um, who are some of the people that you're like, if, anybody that you'd want to give a little bit of like love and nudge to on the show? Um, the the fact is, is that there is there is a huge number of people. There are people like uh, Mark Montgomery, who's kind of one of the unsung heroes. Mm-hmm. He's been volunteering for an incredibly long time. Right. He kind of keeps in the background to some degree, um, but he is like the most likely volunteer to help out another volunteer on the fly when okay. he's not scheduled, you know, and yep. cancel his own classes so that he can help out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are people like uh, Jezebel Boulay, who um, is a super volunteer and, and has come up in the volunteer family. Started out as an Aldi scholar. Can for you right now? Nope, I think we're good for now. And, and helps out outside of conference, yeah. you know, and, and helps the APP outside of conference. Mm-hmm. Um, Marina Pecorino, yep. who's now like the other half of me. They took uh, my job and split it into two, and mm-hmm. she handles all the membership administrative work now so that I can concentrate on conference. Speaking of that, how do you feel about that? Because I know when that transition happened, you weren't you weren't crazy about it because, you know, you were so... Well, okay, I know that you were excited to, like, get some stuff off your plate, but I know that it can be difficult when, you know, your hands are in everything and then trying to, like, take your hands out of some stuff and, and leaving it to someone else. Was that, like, an, an uncomfortable transition for you, or was it one of those, like long time coming, let's get this done kind of things? By the time it happened, I was well ready for it. Okay. Um, Really what happened was, you know, the job evolved um, over many, many years. And, and, and finally they, the, the board and and myself, we, we came to the conclusion that the association is going to be served better by splitting those roles, um, by not burning me out um, Mm -hmm. and, and making me, (laughs) me retire early. And then Kendra Burnt came along and, and also took on um, part of the conference uh, duties, um, which has really made uh, me able to appreciate uh, the work that I'm doing in a different way yeah. because I'm not so burdened by it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I couldn't imagine. I, I mean, as the as the organization grows, it's unrealistic to expect that one person can manage a giant conference that grows every year and a giant membership that grows and grows, especially with the spike over the last few years. You know, you have to have more people helping. Right. Um, not only has membership really exploded in the association, which is uh, is amazing because there was a time when there was like this glass ceiling of 200 members and we never thought we'd get past it. Yeah. And, um, but conference now... Um, Right now, we have over a thousand attendees um, registered for this year. Um, I really think that we may break the uh, the 1,200 mark, and mm-hmm. if we break the 1,200 mark, it means that um, from an attendee standpoint, the number of attendees we will have doubled since I started. Wow. Well, each year, so when you talk about pre-registered, we get maybe like another 20% that are just like walk-up registrations usually too, right? Correct. So I think we're going to be in a pretty strong position this year. Yes. Um, uh, we're going in with very strong numbers. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we really just missed it last year just by a little bit. So I, I think it's very doable this year. Mm. And if not, then next year when we move to the new venue, I mean, we oh. can really make a huge push for that. Right. Do you want to try any of this quiche or this, these hash browns, by the way? Uh, no, I'm, I've got a good plate full of amazing um, tin pancakes and mangoes and strawberries. Yeah, that's a lot of a lot of food <laughs> so what do you what are you working today like so it's Sunday like the conference hasn't started but what are you doing today I know you have like a lot of volunteer training and a lot of meetings today today um, I have a 
pre-conference conference committee meeting. Pre-conference conference committee? Yes. <laughs> uh, to, to just kind of make sure that we are ready as a committee and, yeah. and if there's anything that we need to be uh, kind of extra eyes on or anything like that, um, that we take care of it. Mm -hmm. Then after that, I have a super volunteer meeting, um, and that's really just to kind of um, prepare for what comes next, which is a fairly extensive uh, like four-hour volunteer conduct meeting where yeah. we talk about the behavior that um, volunteers are expected right. um, to follow uh, while they work uh, for the conference. Well, I would imagine you know there is a certain professionalism to it, but then there's also like personal, interpersonal contact and you know all that stuff. You know, it's an important part of it. You know, as as conference grows, I think that professionalism needs to grow with it because it can't just be party hangout atmosphere. You know, especially if the volunteers are there to work. Um, certainly, you don't want people making friendships, but you don't want people overstepping that line of friendship. Is that is that kind of what you're going for for professionalism? Or yeah, and I think we talk a lot about um, number one, surviving the week mm -hmm. as both a worker and an attendee, because you have to kind of juggle two different roles. And then um, the fact is, is that all of the volunteers are representatives of the association. Right. They're a representative of our conference. Mm -hmm. um, and, and our industry. And our well. industry, exactly. And so uh, we do expect them um, to behave accordingly. Um, and and most of the volunteers are extremely successful at that. And some people are not. Well, I think that if you take any large, whatever, moderate-sized group of people, um, people of different ages, different maturities, different experience, world experience, and you put them in a place like Las Vegas, you're going to have a few people that maybe can't handle the situation that they're in. You know, whether it's they're not taking care of themselves, they're not sleeping, they're maybe drinking a bit too much, they're not staying hydrated, or maybe they're just kind of like turned into a goofball or something like that, you know. So it's it's good to have those interactions. I think you should just have, just do that for orientation. Make everybody at conference just show up and sit them down in a chair and be like, don't drink as much, don't flirt as much, just drink some water and go to bed early. Well, and the fact is, is that most of the attendees and the volunteers, you know, they're here to learn stuff, but it is a very distracting environment. Yeah. And uh, for many of our volunteers, um, you know, people are watching them. They're 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 watching the scholars and seeing how they uh, use the experience mm -hmm. um, and whether they're they're taking it seriously or not. Have you noticed that, like the volunteer? The volunteer pool is almost like uh, like industry talent pool. Like there are people that like scout the volunteers and apprenticeship. Uh, appre uh, sorry, that scout like the volunteers and the scholars now, because they're looking for people to retrain or hire or bring in for guest spots and stuff like that. So absolutely, yeah, they need to pay attention to what they're doing. One of my favorite things is um, after conference when I hear from a piercing studio who wants to know like. You know, they have an applicant for a job in their studio yeah. or a guest spot, and that person is a volunteer, and that I can speak to their work ethic, and I can speak to their interpersonal skills, and, and you know, the only thing I can't really speak to is, like, their piercing skills, and I, and I certainly let them know that, but... I think as a piercer, as a potential get, you know, like someone that you'd want to recruit, I, I honestly think that their piercing ability is one of the lowest things on the list to, to pay attention to, because you can teach those skills. You can't necessarily teach someone maturity, responsibility, restraint, things like that. You know, so when you see those those traits in someone, you can look at them and say, like, okay, you have some piercing ability that needs to be polished, and I have the ability to like help you polish those things. But like, if you can't be a responsible human, 
I can't force you to, to be, you know? Right. Well, and that's that's one of the main focuses, really, of the conduct meeting is, is talking about that this is a huge opportunity and that if you do really well and you perform the way you should perform, um, you you will open, you know, incredible doors. And, like, Kendra is a perfect example of mm-hmm. that. Um and, and certainly we've had, you know, scholars go on to work in amazing, amazing studios. Mm-hmm. We've, got, we've got three of the volunteers, like, you know, that work at Infinite on the East Coast. And, um, uh, you know, one of them that works at PRISM in Iowa with Rob Hill. And, and so those kinds of opportunities, um, you know, are huge. And they, and they, for those guys, you know, came out of, directly out of the volunteer experience. Yeah. It's really cool. It's it's cool, you know. Like I've been involved with the the LD scholarship process long enough that I've been able to see the career trajectory for a lot of these people, and it's it's just cool to see it, you know, and, and to, to think in the back of your mind, like, you know, maybe I kind of helped nudge you along, or you know, I helped you get a, an opportunity that you deserved, or something like that, and to see, to see people grow, you know, John Robertson, I always really like talking to him and hanging out with him, you know, and. I, I, I did a couple of minutes with him last night for the show, and it's just cool, like his energy and his vibe and everything like that. So uh, I, I really like, I'd say that the vast majority of the people that we picked for scholarships over the years have, have been incredible. You know, I always like to see them, and I always like to see the other smile and then their energy. There have been a, a couple of couple of ones that haven't been ideal, but they've still been like hard workers. Well, and I, I think one of the things I learned a long time ago is that the LDX the ILD scholarship experience for people, um, it'll either solidify that they absolutely love piercing, they love being a piercer, and that they're in it for the long term, or that experience, being a scholar and and working a conference, will immediately tell you that that they are not in it, and and this is not the career for them. Mm -hmm. Um, Or it could be a... A, it's a solid job, but maybe not a lifelong career. Right, and and so um, you know there are a percentage of scholars who go home and, and they go on to other careers. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, you know, that's still a success because what I what what we've able to do is is help that person um, realize that you know they want to do other things and that they don't have necessarily the level of passion and commitment that you need to work in the industry today and and be successful yeah it's cool you know uh, one way or the other you know it's going to be life-changing for them yeah and all of those conversations about those career choices they take place at two o'clock in the morning in my office (laughs) usually one-on-one with the scholar who's suddenly being like yeah like i'm i'm you know, I'm enjoying the experience, but I'm suddenly realizing that they're in over their head. Well, not so much that they're even they're in over their head. It's just that being around people who are that committed and are that passionate and are that like, like piercing is their world. Mm-hmm. It sharply contrasts with their own personal interior experience okay. of how they feel about piercing and yeah. being a piercer. And they're like, wait a minute, like, like they realize is- that it's their job and not their life. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Hmm. So. Just like you know, I, I know I know bits of it, but you know, you, you are not a body piercer, and you have never been a body piercer. But you're integral to the body piercing industry and community. How did you How did you land this job with the APP? <laughs> I used to get tattooed in the studio, who is immediately next door 
to Evolution in Albuquerque, New Mexico, um, who's owned by Crystal Sims, who at that time was the secretary of the APP. My best friend at the time was the piercer there. She's no longer in the industry. Um, and I had just quit my corporate job. Um, I knew I wanted to work in the industry. I knew I didn't want to be a piercer or a tattooist or be a studio owner who wasn't one of those things. Um, and I wasn't quite sure how to do that. Mm -hmm. And I had worked in corporate jobs um, up until that point. I had 30 days to find a job because otherwise I'd run out of money. And uh, I was told by my friend that uh, her boss, Crystal, was looking for a clerk uh, for the association because the other clerk who had been working for them beforehand uh, was going to leave. Was there no administrator at the time? No, there was no administrator. That job was 30 hours a week. Mm -hmm. And, um, and their primary tasks were sending out brochure orders, uh, folding the point and mailing it, <laughs> answering the phone, and answering emails. Yeah. Um, and that job evolved uh, to a, a much bigger thing, obviously, mm -hmm. over time for me. Um, and... Uh, and it was a hard choice to make because it, I had been used to making a little bit more money and I had a little bit more benefits. Yeah. Um, um, and I didn't really know anything about the piercing industry other than I wanted to work in that community. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it hasn't always been like fun and games, um, but I've worked for them for 16 years. And so obviously, um, you know, I'm committed. Uh, the association's been committed to me. Um, the job has evolved into a totally different animal than yeah. it started out as. Well, I think that's because of your your leadership style. You know, like you could have sat back on your laurels and just done clerk type work and done the things that were handed to you, but you like you reached out and grabbed things and saw an opportunity to, to grow the the. Uh, yeah, I couldn't fill thirty hours with the amount of work that <laughs> they were giving me, and yeah. so I was I was um, determined to to try to, and in part of it, like the way my brain works, um, that's, you know, I just always want to make things more efficient and figure out ways that we can do more with, you know, the same number of hours or, or yeah. whatever, same amount of money. Well, I think without that, the APP would be in a, a different place today. Things were very different then. Oh, I'm um, sure, yeah. The association is extremely healthy um, from a membership standpoint and from a program standpoint and, um... And it's been amazing to watch the growth because it really was a different animal when I started. What have been some of the biggest jumps, do you think? Do you think it's been, can it be credited to anything significant? You know, like the explosion of social media or just better better organization and better management? Differences in who's been on the board? Differences in just industry vibe? I think a couple of things happen. You know, when I first started, uh, the only people that were really instructing at the conference were the board members. They were doing everything. Yeah. Um, and that was, and in fact, they used to have to work the merch booth and sell T-shirts really? uh, because we didn't have volunteers doing that. And so that was everything one, at conference was done by seven or eight people. Exactly. Wow. And so that was one of the first things after my first conference. I was like determined that board members should no longer have to work classroom doors. Board members should no longer have to sell T-shirts. Well, thanks. And that was that was a big thing. Yeah. Um, and and so since you know we've really grown in that area. Certainly, social media played a huge part in, in getting the word out about conference. Um, and the other thing that happened is somewhere along the way, and and frankly, I would credit you primarily for this. When you started the mentor program, yeah. it went from being kind of a very 
uh, intimidating, sometimes even hostile reception for new attendees to being a totally different experience for them. Yeah. And that has really allowed new attendees who are, you know, we get we grow with new attendees uh, to conference like 30% or 40% every year. Like that's our huge numbers. It's people who have never been before. That's great. And, and it's because they feel welcome and they hear about yeah. it being a great experience as opposed to being like, I went there and, you know, everybody only talked to their friends. And Well, the APP... And first, thank you for, for saying that, but I, I don't think the success of the mentor program was because of me, because when I started the mentor program, it was just very, it was a quick idea. Like, you know my my idea style, where it's like I have an idea, I drop it on the floor, and I leave it for someone else to pick it up. But um, it was because, like, when I came to conference, no one was ever hostile to me. People were welcoming, but nobody really reached out their hand and said, like, hi, my name is, you know, where are you from? Like, it didn't start conversations with me, and I remember the, my first two or three conferences, spent a lot of time by myself in my hotel room, I spent a lot of time just like puttering around, you know, and I wasn't really as engaged as I could have been or should have been, and you know, I think other people came along and really picked up the mantle of the mentor program, you know, Kale, again, I can't say enough great things yeah. about Kale, but you know, other people along the way, you know, um, Ash, uh, but like, you know, lots of people really helped out and, and pushed that uh, forward a lot. So it's it's great that it's Don't where it is Don't forget Courtney. Now. She took that, the and mantle Courtney. first. Right, yeah. Um, but, you know, all the other people who, who were part of the mentor program over the last couple of years. 16 years. Was your first conference 2002? 2003. Okay, so my first conference is 2002. I beat you. <laughs> yeah, I remember when you used to come to conference. When I used to come to conference? Well, I mean, when you first started. That you were you were much shyer and and quieter. Yeah, yeah. And, I'm not, I wasn't quite as boisterous and you get and a little bit more gothic too. Yeah, I wasn't still wearing the eyeliner at that point, was I? Yes, you were. Was I? <laughs> well, whatever. But yeah, I remember spending many many hours just kind of hanging around in like the volunteer registration area because I didn't have any friends and I didn't have anybody to talk to. So I would just come and I would bug you and I would bug the other people that I knew that were like, you know, wallflowers too. And, uh, yeah, it just grew into, like, a monstrosity of, like, fingers in many pies kind of thing. Speaking of pie, I know you're a pie aficionado. I am. Are you getting any good pie this week? Uh, Mark Montgomery uh, has a friend here, and so he stays with them before conference. And him and his wife actually baked me a cherry pie. Really? They left it so that when I picked up my hotel keys, they had it in the fridge, and I had a giant cherry pie that, that awesome. we've all been eating on for the last couple of days. <laughs> Um, last year he bought me a pie as well, but the fact that he actually baked this pie um, mm. a means, means a lot. Yeah. Mm. So are you going to get to do anything else for yourself this week, or is it just work work? It's pretty much work work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, part of my reward of conference is that I get to see all my friends um, at conference, and that's my volunteer family and other attendees as well. Mm-hmm. Um that I don't get to see except for once a year, and yeah. it's it's a weird it's a weird experience because I feel very close to these folks, um, and a lot of the volunteers I do keep in contact throughout the year, uh, but to only actually see them once a year and still feel like like we're still besties um, is a is a really magical experience. Yeah, yeah, it's great. You know, it, conference is its own little microcosm because you can still you can talk to the exact same people. You can meet up somewhere out in the real world, or you can talk to them online, or give them a call, or text, or something. But it's never really the same vibe as when you're together at conference. 
I don't know what it is, but uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a unique experience. So, uh, out of this year's crop of Aldis, is there anybody that's standing out for you, or should we not single anybody out? Um, I, I wouldn't single anyone out. I think that this year uh, the crop is really good. Mm -hmm. um, we have a lot of international Aldis this year, um, as we have in the in recent years. Um, we have a couple of guys from the U.S. who are also really good. Um, and everybody so far, um, they were all going to breakfast together as an LD group this yeah. morning, uh, which I was really pleased to see. Like directed or they just have No, they just decided to get oh, together. with that's sweet. Yeah and, yeah, and if they're doing that already mm -hmm. in the week, um, I feel like you know part of my job is already done mm -hmm. because uh, getting people to work as a team and actually like like each other and care about each other when they've never known each other right. um, is is part of the magic that I need to do. I think more people are going into the experience not like planning or expecting that, but they know that that magic is out there and to just kind of go with it, you know, yeah. and not try to like resist it. Well, and I think you know, like I said. It used to be that volunteering wasn't very much fun because I wasn't very much fun, um, and uh, and now you know, like we're kind of the cool kids at conference. Everybody wants to volunteer, yeah. and I have to actually limit the number of people who get to volunteer mm -hmm. because so many people want to volunteer, yeah. which is you know, I never thought that that would ever happen. <laughs> well, they hear the buzz, you know, they hear the buzz, and you know, they they see by the end of the week, like that's it, like it's a little tribe, like amongst conference, you know. It is. Yeah. It is. So what do you think about the explosion of like international scholars? You know, I, I know that international scholars haven't hasn't been like unheard of before then, but the last couple of years it seems like it's we get really strong international applicants now. We do, and you know, part of it you have to you know scholarship. Obviously, it's a it's a financial help, and um, coming to conference uh, from overseas. Um, is so much more expensive mm -hmm. than if you're driving from California. Right. Um, and so they certainly qualify um, almost always above and beyond uh, somebody who's based in the U.S. But it's true that like the applicants themselves have been very strong. Um, I think uh, it's interesting because a lot of times in the application process, I'll be like, oh, that person, that person's going to be amazing at conference. Mm -hmm. And then if they turn out to be the person that's like the most nervous. And... Um, how it's much not of that, that do you think is like language barrier? Um, sure. It's not always language barrier because you know a lot of our international attendees certainly speak English. And, right. um, but I I think uh, part of it's like this. Uh, you know, you're so much further away from home, mm -hmm. and you're you're out not only just out of your home, but you're out of your culture yeah. um, in a in a different way than if you're just going to Las Vegas from Tennessee, you know? Um, and so I think that's hard. That's hard for people. Well, it's, uh, you know, as being someone who's lucky enough to attend some of the international conferences also, you can really see the ripple effects of, of what happens because those piercers, they don't just sit on their laurels when they get home. They, they turn into mentors, they turn into industry leaders and community leaders, you know, especially with the UK ABP, uh, like the BMX crowd and like you know, the LBP and everybody, like it's it's just awesome to see that when you put when you put those 
those resources into people. They take it home and they share it with people. They don't just try to make it about themselves. Like they don't just try to make it like, you know, I was a scholar, so now I'm going to be internet famous. Like they, they take whatever they learn and they bring it home and they share it with everybody. It's fantastic. Yeah, I had a, a couple of conversations both with Nicole Holmes, who's um, part of the UK APP, and Gladix. Um, who heads up the Spanish uh, APP and talking about them running their conferences now and how they were both volunteers and they were both LD scholars and they have a full different appreciation from uh, being a planner. Yeah. And um, and even though their events are much smaller, um, they're you know they have very similar uh, challenges that I have with our conference and so um, it's it's nice to see these strong women um, doing those amazing experiences. Uh, you can totally see your impact on them directly because when you go to something like, when you go to BMX, it's Stefan and he's got his little crazy Stefan thing where it's like all these like tech gadgets and, and all this stuff, you know, and it, it's him and maybe one or two people helping. But then when you go to the other organizations where they have a lot more contact with you, like UK APP, you can see that uh, Nicole and, and Charlie and everybody like they're they're trying to emulate what they've seen you do, you know, and they're, they're trying to they're trying to bring that strong leadership presence there, and like you can tell with like the way that they set up their registration areas and everything, like how much influence you've had on on all these different like communities across the world. It, it's really it's really cool to see it, like to see like a little bit of Caitlin when you go to these different conferences. That that um, that makes me feel good. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> You're not gonna cry, are you? Probably. <laughs> Um, speaking of which, are you ready for your, your conference cry on Thursday? Oh, I've already had a lot of conference cries. Yeah, good, um, or, good or not good? Um, I think they're all good. I think uh, this has been a pretty difficult year for a lot of us. Yeah. And um, See, here it comes. And here it comes. so uh, I think, um, yeah, the emotions are just going to be a little bit uh, intense, I think, this year. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, this is, this is the right environment for it. You know, if you... If you show your true self here, like, you know, you have you have your friends here for support. It's one of those things, like, here, I can kind of take my, my mask off a little bit, and I can be a little bit more of, like, a human person, you know, instead of, like, a lizard person. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable exposing, you know, being a little bit more vulnerable Vulnable. here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, versus, like, online or versus, like, somewhere else out there in the world when I'm, like, representing body piercing wherever. I, I personally, like... One of my like personal beliefs is that you have no growth without being vulnerable, and um, and so yeah, it's about providing that uh, that safe place for people to be able to be vulnerable, and yeah. that's that includes things like I don't know how to do something, as opposed to pretending like you know how to do it in your studio and, mm-hmm. and being receptive um, to learn from all of these amazing instructors and amazing attendees, yeah. um, and not being embarrassed by not knowing how to do something because like that's the whole purpose of the contrast is to teach people how to do stuff it's cool to see a, a lot of so there are a lot of alpha personalities at this conference there are really a lot, yeah <laughs> believe it there are a lot of strong wills and there are a lot of people who are they're used to being the top banana in, in their home lives and in their studios and in their families and whatever and then they come here and it's really nice to see when they actually they leave their armor at home and they're they're totally comfortable you know seeing someone with like years of experience and management and piercing ability and all that stuff for them to say like, you know, oh yeah, I have trouble doing that. Like, how do you do it? Or like, hey, I've never, I've never heard of that before and I've seen you do a great job with it. Like, teach me a little bit. People with 20 years experience are asking like, how? 
and it's really refreshing to see that because I don't I don't think people have that same kind of image or persona online or, or when they're at home at their no, school. and it's because conference has become a safe place for them to do that yeah um, and uh, you know and, and I for the piercers who have come to me over the years who are who are like shaken by the fact that they suddenly realize that they don't know mm. certain things um, I remind them that you know like everybody comes from that place like nobody was born knowing all this stuff right have you ever thought about doing a talk APP about your conference experiences? I have, but um, as you know from getting me getting up and doing my my short speech at the banquet dinner, um, usually my talking in front of groups ends with me being crying uh, in front of groups. Yeah, crying, and I don't think that that's what people are paying to see when they take a class. A and class, no, but a talk APP is its own thing. I think that would be, I, I would actually like to see that, you know, because if you have somebody like Jim Ward, who, you know, it's not really teaching a class, he's sharing his experiences, you know, and I, I think it's the same thing. I think you have been, you know, not as a piercer, but you've been a really important force in the growth of the industry and the community, and I, I think you should share that with some of the people that, like, people don't get your experience unless they're part of your world at conference, you know, unless they're a volunteer or registration or a vendor or something like that where they see like your work you know there's some people that might not have ever been able to give you a hug or, or pat you on the back or anything like that and I think to be able to share your experience over those 16 years and like the growth of conference and this hotel to that hotel and, and how we've evolved I think that would be really nice and I think next year I'd, I'd really I like to see I don't think that. it would be interesting enough I think it would be super interesting <laughs> I think you should I, I think you should consider it at least I'll just keep all those stories for when I retire and I write my my tell-all Your tell-all? Your scandalous tell-all? Behind the scenes of the APP. <laughs> uh, man, you, yeah, you'd probably have a lot of dirt. <laughs> I don't know whether I would call it dirt, but, well, you know, the, the thing juicy, is... Juicy, salacious material. You know, our board, our board members come and go, our committee members come and go, and... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm consistent, and so I, I get to see all those transitions and changes. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so, wow. Yeah, sometime off the show, <laughs> we, we can talk more about that, but I can only imagine, ju just from the, the boards that I've seen you work with over the last, you know, 10 years even, huge, huge personality shifts and differences and energy it is, shifts. And it is weird, basically almost always having new at least a few new bosses every every two years because of the the staggering of when the board turns over yeah it's like every two years now i have new people that i need to, to learn how to you know communicate with and um work with mm -hmm. um it's probably you know one of the things that's responsible for my own personal growth though is yeah. because you know it's really easy to, to work in a job where you know you know everybody and, and you it's know the same that thing it's the same thing year. and, and yeah. you don't have those challenges and mm -hmm. so you don't have to be pushed to learn different skills um, that way. Yeah, but I mean, imagine imagine your personal growth from you know 10, 12, 16 years ago to now, and all the things you're capable of now that you might not have felt capable of. Oh. Then. After my first conference, I wasn't sure that I was capable of ever coming back a conference. Really? I had I had never really been to Vegas my first conference, okay. and um, and I was wholly unprepared uh, 
for my first conference, even like as an employee. I had only worked for the APP for like five months. Uh, no more for me. I think I might explode if I have any more coffee. For only five months before my first conference, and so um, I hadn't met like most of the board members. I met them the day we got here mm-hmm. to start the conference, and uh, and so it was a really it was a really rough rough time. Do you remember who who was your board when you when you started? Um, Paul King, Beth Rosimsky, Elaine Angel, uh, Jason King, Alicia Cardenas, um, Meg Moss. If I'm forgetting somebody, I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of like you know some people would say that's kind of like a Mount Rushmore of piercing, you know? Yeah, but I think I was like maybe four or five years in. Uh, and I was having lunch with Elaine Angel, Paul King, Jim Ward, and Drew Ward here at conference. And I thought to myself, oh my God, I wonder how many piercers wish they were sitting at this table right. listening to these stories yeah. with these people. Yeah. Um, That's kind of the whole reason I started this podcast thing because there are so many times when I come to different events and I have these amazing conversations with people. And then I started thinking in the back of my mind, like, I can't be the only one that hears this story. Like, you know, I have to to start recording this and try to try to get it out there because like it's been super life-changing for me to hear people's struggles and people's like what, what motivates them to, to keep going and like what they've done and all that stuff it's just super fascinating to me it's funny I, I a number of the LD scholars this year in, in different times over the last couple of days you can hear them and, and they're listening um, to your podcast or the APP podcast or uh, Will's podcast. Will's podcast. Yep. And, um, you know, like that's what they put on instead of music when they're doing stuff. Nerds. That's what, when they're traveling, that's what they're listening to. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, they're listening to them over and over again. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a very different, uh, I think it's a different way of getting information, but I think there's a huge uh, draw. Uh, to being able to listen to all of these different people. Yeah. Well, so that was that was a big deal for me. My first few years at conference, like I would just, I'd be the background player. Where in Las Vegas, it's so easy to just like nudge next to somebody, fly on the wall. Them. Yeah, and just kind of like listen, you know, sit under the learning tree and just like hear what people have experienced. And uh, I, I think it's unfair that if, if people can't get here to Vegas, that they don't get that experience. Are you looking at your phone? Yes, I am looking Urgency? at my phone. All right. Well, we'll we'll go ahead and wrap it up then. So. Uh, before you dive into your electronic world, I just want to say thank you. Um, you have really impacted my career and my life. And don't cry. Don't cry yet. Save it for Thursday. Um, but you've been really important to the APP. And, you know, if you haven't heard it yet today, thank you. Oh, you're welcome, Ryan. <laughs> you're, gonna, you're, getting, you're getting glassy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have anything that you want to like say before the end of it like do you you care about people knowing your social media or any of that stuff no okay (laughs) well um if anyone is listening to this because this is probably going to go up tomorrow at the start of conference so she's very busy so don't stop her if she's frantically walking somewhere but if she looks like she's uh in a lull or in a moment just give her a smile and say thank you thanks bye thank you
Alright, so there you go. We got an interview with Caitlin finally. Uh, that was really nice to, to talk to her and, and get to share some of her insight on conference. Uh, what's going on for the rest of my day? Man, I, so right now it's, uh, what, 11 o'clock. Uh, I gotta finish editing this thing, get it up online, and then I have to go and set up for my workshops. So gonna be a good day I, and I feel really good about it. I, classes are always kind of like energizing for me so that'll kind of keep me out of bed and keep away the humdrums for another day. I can go out and uh, hang out with some of my friends later today and, and have some fun in Las Vegas and tonight is the opening party. Uh, should be pretty good. Tacos are always a highlight and it's my birthday so you know let's see uh, let's see what happens. Uh, thanks for listening. I might uh, I might pop up some stuff later this week. I'm not really sure. I mean, I'll do a full episode next week, but you know, maybe I'll get in maybe like a half episode or something, or maybe I'll put some stuff up on the Facebook page. So make sure you like that piercing wizard podcast on Facebook. And thanks for tuning in again. I appreciate it. If you're here with me in Vegas, have a really good week. If you're not here with me in Vegas, you're missing out. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like piercing wizard podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved.